I feel like I found an interesting window into why politics are so difficult within families. Hello and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicky, I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hello, Ingrid. Hello. Happy December. I was just going to say, yeah, we're into December. Our last episode we recorded right before Thanksgiving, and now we're heading into the biggest portion of the holiday season for a lot of faith traditions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we're actually going to kind of sort of continue our conversation on holiday conversations today. The sequel. Yes, part two. <laughs> <laughs> because something we didn't talk about, but is relevant in so many people's family holiday conversations is the conversations around politics. Mm -hmm. So from our perspective today, of course, this is just one story, but what does it look like to prepare yourself and to have conversations about politics? I think some good context for our family, at least in my own life, is that we hardly ever talked about politics growing up. Yeah. What you I mean I'm sure that you and dad talked about it because you were engaged members of society, but <laughs> we didn't have uh like a childhood home where we were like obviously even either like Republican or Democrat. I didn't know anything about that. And um that's changed a lot in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. To each their own. There's nothing wrong with either like any of those parts of growing up, but It also means that I'm learning newly, actually, how to interact with with family members when it comes to politics, because that isn't something that I had to grapple with until the last few years. Yeah, it's a good point. I was raised in the Midwest. Your dad was raised in the Midwest and the East Coast and in Central America. (laughs) So he, he was raised. Actually, he was faced with more politics, probably because he moved around. And then he came to California. So he's been all over the place. But in the Midwest, and my parents are from Evanston, the upper crust of Chicago. My dad was raised in Indianapolis. And their parents, their dads were an attorney in Chicago and a doctor, family practice doctor in Indianapolis. So to a degree, my parents definitely knew about politics and were aware of it. But they were also told, especially my mom being a lady, was told, you know, that's not a conversation that you talk about at dinner time. Mm, it was off limits. And so, yeah, that wasn't something that I was raised talking about. I think my parents were very dutiful, kept their head down and did their work. I think they voted, but they didn't didn't get like really closely involved with it. And they were busy in their lives in other areas. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. raised thinking a lot about politics. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's been a really interesting learning curve in the last couple of years as you and dad have become more politically active and we are all old enough to each hold our own opinions as kids. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden we've started to have these dialogues about politics and it certainly is, I know that it is very special that on most core things we agree, yeah. which is, I have found unusual 
between my generation and a lot of like my friends' parents. I have plenty of friends near me or like me from college whose parents have very different beliefs than Mm. they do. What I think will be most helpful in this conversation between us, however, comes from a story that happened actually pretty recently where, again, because I'm just learning this, I feel like I found an interesting window into why politics are so difficult within families. Obviously, when you believe in something deeply, it's hard to have grace for other people that believe differently. That is like an obvious thing that is going to be hard when you're working with people that don't agree with you. Recently, through Thanksgiving, you had an interesting discussion that I think gives a lot of insight into the other ways that there's like weird layers between kids and, and their parents when it comes to this. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah. I just raised the question with your sisters, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? Because we you know, weren't all going to be together. And uh, one of them said, I don't really want to celebrate that holiday. I don't believe in that holiday. I think it's a racist holiday. <laughs> that kind of stabs me in the gut. Because tradition, I (laughs) am a loyalist, not in the British sense of loyalists, but um, I'm an original revolutionary because 30, no, 23 members of the Mayflower are ancestors of ours. My uncle, who was also an attorney in his retirement, became this ancestry buff And so he discovered, and I don't even know how this could be possible, but he discovered that 23 people on the Mayflower are ancestors of ours. It's possible because then there were 50 people of one culture on the continent of America. So that's why. And they all slept with each other. (laughs) Ultimately. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, That's why they're ultimately, they go back and they become ancestors. And and some of them were separatists, not like only, I don't want to say like 45 of them were the separatists from that uh, religious sect of, Mm. um, you know, quasi Mennonites. They're different sure. from the pilgrims, which is also a very strong and stern point I like to make because the, the um, I'm sorry, the, the Puritans, they're different from the Puritans. The Puritans mm. get a bad rap and the pilgrims are not the same group of people. They're a very different group of people. And I like to make that distinction because it's important to okay. me. Okay, There's another there strong held opinion, which <laughs> you need to go research if you don't know. But the pilgrims and the Puritans are not the same group of people. Anyway, my initial reaction was kind of strong. Like, wait a second. I know a lot about the story of the first Thanksgiving and the Native Americans that helped them out and brought them some food and they shared a a Thanksgiving together. And when we're in elementary school, we see this little cute picture of them sitting down together on a log, big log table. And we don't really talk about the hardship of anything. But then there was like this kind of a backlash conversation of, of all the persecution and all the racism and that it it's not a holiday worth celebrating. So that was a little bit contentious conversation and upsetting. So actually, I thought about it the next day, and I wrote a long letter to your sister because sometimes it takes me a long time to gather my thoughts. And I thought about, and I, I researched, because I remembered 
Abraham Lincoln was the first person that identified the last Thursday of November as the the day of thanks nationally, and he thought it was important, and it was spurred on by a lady named Sarah Hale, who had been asking presidents for 15 years to make a national day of thanks for the states, to take pause in our schedule and our time was important to me. But what was contentious about the conversation, I think you came to realize and I came to realize, is it was not so much about the politics of it. It was the emotional response to a value that I had, which stemmed from tradition. That is what I think is so important about this conversation. Because when you first told me the story of having this discussion with my sister, it it was a real argument. I mean, there were there were tears, there was anger, there was yelling. Like you two had it out for a minute, which happens in family. That's like part of the deal. As I heard the story, what was so odd to me was that I felt like you were having two different arguments. Mm. My sister was having an argument about is it still helpful to celebrate Thanksgiving? Which I think is a really good question. The Thanksgiving story isn't a felt board story as we feel that it is from elementary school. <laughs> and from an intellectual level, I think that's a great question to think about and see like how can we put nuance back into our history that's been so whitewashed. Yeah. But the, the argument you were having had to do with should there be a day of thanks and is it valuable to come together as a family or as a nation? for this day of thanks, which are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. And yet they were pulled into one argument. And so what I noticed is that what my sister thought was an interesting political, intellectual debate to have, you took as a judgment on the way that you had raised us as kids. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, when my sister wanted to have this political debate, your first response was, but I feel so loyal to the traditions that we've created as a family, mm-hmm. which actually has nothing to do with her question. But immediately for you, it, it was conflating the two ideas that questioning the knowledge of our childhood also meant that we were questioning or even throwing out the sort of gifts that you personally had created mm-hmm. for the way that we were raised. I just had never understood before that so many family political conversations probably don't have a lot to actually do with politics. Yes, are there places where we walk into our parents' house and say, "Ooh, I know this is going to be a hard conversation because we do not agree on certain political issues. Yeah, of course. But so much of the time, I think, those conversations have all of this baggage brought along of what it seemed like in this conversation was like you saying, I'm really insecure about how much you appreciate the life that I've given you. Like, I f- it feels like you're, you're disqualifying me or loving me less by attacking these holidays. Yes, that speaks more to me than I think <laughs> it does to the other person in the conversation. That's true, but I also think that, that it points toward every parent mm. who is just, you know, who you, you've tied up, rightly so, you've tied up 24 years of your life so far to being the mother of children and working so heartily and intentionally to create a worldview and an atmosphere and a life that you are proud of and that they will that will like give them or us this springboard for prosperity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true for every parent. Mm-hmm. 
And it just had never occurred to me that when a child walks back into a parent's home and says, we need to talk about this political issue for the sake of the world, what the parent often hears is, we need to talk about all the ways that you were wrong about my childhood. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I know that I did that in my parents' life on occasion. Sometimes I'm slow at the uptake to grasp my impact on other people's experiences but you know reflecting back on it I could realize oh those words that I said were very hurtful to my parents and they demonstrated it at the time to a degree I think just being aware of how I personalize topics rather than set them out on the table like a a separated topic that Mm. isn't personal and I do know that a lot of people do this because we have right I've had conversations with other people about this, especially, um, I think maybe especially women. I can't mm. totally speak for men, but I think women, <laughs> the the idea is personal. It's hard to disembody it, detach it from self. Mm. In Meg Ryan's words of, of you've got mailed, what is anything if it's not personal? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is such a good monologue. It's personal to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is helpful to recognize. And conversely, I think it's why we often hear nowadays um, how beneficial gratitude is, but particularly for children to be grateful back towards parents and reflect back to parents. I have this memory and this memory and this memory. I, I know how impactful it has been to my parents to even just make a list of memories I have. I've made anniversary lists for my parents. I've been married 56 years now. For my mom's birthday, I made a list one time of 75 memories for my mom's 75th birthday. And But those are Thanks. so impactful that I took yeah. the time to gather them. And you and I are much more cerebral than... <laughs> some people and that but that's the way we get to our gut and our heart is through our mind and so if we share something like that that's super powerful for the people that get to receive it and I know from a child going back to a parent it's super powerful we are able to have the conversations we do because of the life that I have been able to live and the life you've been able to live if we struggled more first of all we might not have time or the energy to have these kind of mm-hmm. conversations because we would be working so hard and then we'd flop down at home and couldn't have any other conversations. So this is the lens that we look at the world through. Of course. But then I do think it's so great if you can talk about an idea as disembodied from yourself and say, hey, I want to have a conversation about this idea. We talked last episode a lot about being generous Mm-hmm. to your family members in practice, but also in personal thought process. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to sit down with yourself before you meet your family members and be generous in your thought process there and vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, to think through what things are going to become arguments mm-hmm. and how can I how can I be generous now so that I'm mentally and, and emotionally prepared when it comes up to not take the bait of the offense. You know what I just would love to refer back to is <laughs> I just took a Pilates class from you. You are becoming yes. a certified Pilates instructor. And across the miles, across Zoom, 2,444 miles, I was able to take a Pilates class. And you specifically in your cueing will say, notice 
where your shoulders are. Are you holding tension in your neck? No judgment. Mm -hmm. Just notice where that is. Notice where you are able to pull your knee towards. Is your hip flexor really tight? No, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how high you get your leg. It just is something to notice of of where you're holding tightness and tension in your body. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's so like, ah, it's refreshing. And I just breathe deep and I think about it and I'm like, oh, wow, I really do have a lot of tension in my shoulders or, (laughs) oh, I am not able to pull my knees straight up. It has to go off to the side. My hip flexor is really tight. I wish that everybody could like walk through mental steps like that before they're going into Mm. family conversations to address that's huge. Landmines. Like, uh-oh, that's yeah. going to be a pothole that's going to twist my ankle. And when I have an ankle twisted, yeah. I'm going to scream. <laughs> oh, that's such a good metaphor, though. Yeah, because it is. I mean, I, that's what's so powerful about that in fitness, I have totally found, is to take the judgment out of it. Because if I am mad at myself for having tight hips and I'm like, ugh, like I'm never going to be a great dancer because I don't have the extension here, mm-hmm. then I'm then my hips are tighter because my body is stressed and I'm like pushing the wrong chemicals and hormones through my body. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great, great metaphor. One thing that you reflected back to me when you were telling the story of first having this argument with my sister is that you kept asking for some gratitude from her. Can I just please have a little gratitude from you? Will you please see things from my point of view for a moment? And it really confused me at first because I hadn't yet recognized in your story these two very separate conversations that you and my sister were having. I thought, why would my sister ever be need to be, have gratitude toward you? when she's having a cerebral intellectual question. Mm. But of course, that's not what you were asking. And so I think what you were asking for actually is the right thing. Of course, it needed to happen in a separate conversation, not in the middle of the heat of these emotions. But as a child, coming back into a parent's home through the Zoom screen or in person, if you want to have, I think this is a really good piece of advice, If you want to have a conversation about a political topic, about an issue that you really care about, find a way to begin with gratitude for who your parent is and what they have provided for you. Mm -hmm. And then you've actually created enough space to have a intellectual conversation. If I went straight up to you and said, mom, we need to talk about what, who, what president you're voting for. First of all, thank goodness that that conversation is over for this year. <laughs> but that's been the question for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And if you, started, if you start straight out with, who are you voting for? It feels like an attack on either end. Mm-hmm. But if I start by like creating a common ground, I'm building a bridge for us to walk over. Mm-hmm. By saying, like, can I verbally reflect you? Which takes vulnerability. It takes vulnerability to be verbally grateful to someone else Mm -hmm. because it shows your heart and it gives them a chance to hold your emotions in their hand and decide what to do with them. Mm -hmm. Here are the ways that I appreciate that you talked about politics with me or here are the values that I see that you hold and that I also hold. Mm. Can we create this bridge? That's kind of (laughs) central. If you could say... I also hold that. That would be really helpful to a parent. I also hold the value of practicing gratitude in my everyday life and in a community atmosphere. That said, can we talk about whether or not Thanksgiving is the right national holiday for that? Is there too much historical baggage there? Or do you think that we could create a different kind of a national 
grad, you know, like all of a sudden you can start to have an intellectual conversation because you've already addressed what we now know is going to be an immediate trigger, which is, did I do something wrong as a parent? Yeah. I like your point of just like taking a nuanced picture of it and saying, hmm, like you have said in the past, taking that more nuanced picture and and, um, now that we're older, recognizing we spiral up in our understanding and coming back to history. And when we're kids, we we tell the felt board version of history and it is simple, but I think it is valuable and important to come back to it and have regular frequent conversations, which is what you mentioned to say, okay, now you're older. Now we're going to tell a little bit more nuanced picture of history and, and remember that some of this is painful and we're not going to celebrate just with disregard. And we're going to add right. this element into our celebration to recognize people that were treated unfairly. I talk to a lot of my friends about political issues that they have with their parents on much larger levels, again, than I have to have with you, which I'm thankful for. I know that that's unique. Mm-hmm. And there is just so much frustration and anger about like, why are you so blind? Why are you so close-minded and stubborn? And and all of these frustrations that I can imagine are, are are so accurate, really, because they've had argument after argument. Mm-hmm. Like you had this one argument with my sister, and and then we got to talk it through, and we've come to a place of recognizing that actually the, there was like a very different story happening underneath. Mm-hmm. But when this has been your pattern for many, many holidays, it's got to be so stressful to consciously walk back into the holiday space. Yeah. Knowing that there's going to be more conversations like this. And so I, I just really appreciate this conversation because I hope that it gives pause for each listener, regardless of age, to, to reflect for a minute. And say, okay, if this is true, where am I in this story? Mm-hmm. Am I often the one bringing up the political content? And what's my what's my goal behind that? Mm-hmm. And is there a better way to get to that goal? You know, what is the goal? Is the goal to have a debate to like convince them of your perspective? First of all, those are two different things. If the goal is to have a debate, you go for it. If the goal is to convince them of your perspective, please love them into it. That's the only way that change happens. Well, yeah, that, it's really helpful to recognize that those are two different things. We did an exercise in parent ed staff that was super helpful. It was, here's three hot topics. It was, we did this in September. So the COVID crisis was the first topic. Mm-hmm. The second topic was racism or the um, civil rights unrest in the United States. And then the third topic was the election. So those are Mm -hmm. like progressively more inflammatory hot topics. But it's been surprising and interesting this year, the amount of fervor and energy that can go behind wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, which is the first health topic. And what we did is we put it on a continuum. And we said, how anxious do you feel about Mm. this topic? And how proactive, I forgot what the other word was, like how resolved or at peace do you feel about this topic? What are you grateful for in the midst of this kind of thing? Sure. 
but it was on a continuum and and we tried to intentionally perspective take like what are the anxieties that the other side that other people could be feeling in the midst of this and we listed them and it was helpful just to list off you know like what are the anxieties that someone could feel about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask you know and some people are saying having their freedoms taken away but when again like we like to be cerebral <laughs> if you list it out on a board in front of you you get it out of your head out of your mouth and you see it then you could go oh what what happened is we're like well actually we have the same values i'm concerned about people's health and you're concerned about people's health and then where on the continuum does that fall and how would you like to respond to that? And then mm-hmm. you can have a more thoughtful conversation about, you know, like how strongly do you exert your value of freedom, personal freedom versus how strongly do you exert your value of public health versus personal health? Those kinds of exercises are so scary and so helpful when they are proctored well. (laughs) Yes. They are probably proctored least well inside of a family. Totally. Because there's too much baggage. Maybe that's the place to start, speaking as the parent, (laughs) speaking as Tevia, could we start by being grateful for tradition and recognizing what role tradition, maybe you're not grateful for tradition, Maybe you feel like tradition is phoned in. Or actively bad. Yeah. (laughs) Some traditions are actively hurtful for society. What you need to, I think it actually has nothing to do with like being grateful for the tradition. What you have to be grateful for is the person in front of you who cares about you. Mm -hmm. And this is with the information they had at the time, the best that they decided to do. Yeah, that's the generous spirit. And that's always the point. A, A pastor I heard recently said, don't judge yesterday's decisions on today's wisdom. Because you didn't have that wisdom. You would have done something different. That's the point. But what are you doing spending time judging yesterday's decision on today's wisdom? Yeah, the Monday morning football quarter, Monday morning quarterback. Oh, don't give me a sports (laughs) reference. I don't know what that means. In our our non-sports life right now. Yeah, I don't know. I love that. Don't judge yesterday's decision on today's wisdom. That's helpful. So as a child walking into a parent's house or into their conversation on the Zoom call where you feel like there is a lot to work through and perhaps you feel really passionate yeah, about having these conversations in order to change the face of our nation, can you begin by understanding that your parent's did the best that they could with the wisdom they had at the time. And if you can extend a, like a hand of grace there, yeah, then they're so much more likely to be in, in a place to have a conversation back with you. As soon as walls are up, walls are up. And from the opposite direction, like it's possible that as a parent, you do look back after an argument with your child and say, that actually was more harmful than I wanted it to be. Mm. But... That's hard for parents to say. Well, of course it is. And there's going to be so much shame and baggage right there. But is there also, there's that's like the exact same opportunity to say, look, I did the best I could with the information I had. And now I have new information. And it's time to go forward from there. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, your dad and I talked about that, about uh, having a conversation about like, okay, well, this situation happened and we re- have regrets with regard to that. And, but we're not like, mm-hmm. that's going to be the rearview mirror. It's not, it's like little that's in the right. background. It's getting smaller yeah. as we go. And we're looking forward and we're just taking that as information. Like that's a slippery curve. There's black ice there. <laughs> Drive mm-hmm. slow mm-hmm. right around that kind of thing. I do appreciate that. I also appreciate kind of that self-awareness that you instructed in Pilates. Like where are you holding tension if, if family members can have self-awareness and do a self-assessment and say, you know, I have a tendency to really react and to get Mm. defensive or angry when these topics come up and storm out or yell, you know, maybe I could reel that in (laughs) and I don't have to act that way. (laughs) That'd be helpful. And by reel that in, we mean practice putting your energy somewhere else. Don't, Don't bury it. (laughs) that's helpful yes don't bury it acknowledge it and go oh this is a difficult topic for me for you and I well I'll speak for me but for me it is a topic of prayer Mm. so I will though when I become aware of that I just become oh okay God I'm getting ready to get together with my family in two weeks my prayer request right near right now is that I would not be uh sarcastic when I get mm. hurt because I've got yeah. a mean tongue with regard to sarcasm <laughs> and I don't want to be sarcastic. Ironic wit is lovely, but sarcasm is mean and I don't want to be mean. Yeah, that's a good prayer. I have a tendency to placate the rest of the family and not hold to my stance for the sake of harmony. So my prayer is to have the wisdom to know when to step in and when to step out. Mm. And to do so intentionally. That's good. So here's the beginning with a generous spirit. Yeah. Toward your family members, even in the middle of political conversations. Absolutely. And having the freedom to have recovery, like, and circling back. That's right. Conversations like we're having now. And the freedom to write a letter to your daughter after the argument. Yeah. And knowing that that's that's a, a really good olive branch. Yes. And it was received well with gratitude and understanding. Thanks for having this conversation, Mom. It was a good conversation. I love you. High five. I love you too. High five. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep, thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question, or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at hugandahighfivepodcast at gmail.com. That's hugandahighfivepodcast at gmail.com. All words... Hug and a high five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.